This is Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. We have another great episode today of Change for Your Dollar, where we have conversations and talk about the blessings and burdens around money and faith and life. I'm your host, John Putnam. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is good to be with you. I hope you're having a good day wherever I might find you today, whether you're at home or at work or in your car or just maybe hanging out on a beach somewhere listening to the podcast. So thank you for being with me. And if you were with us last week, this is part two of an interview with Ron Blue. And just a quick recap about Ron. He's an old friend. He's the author of more than 20 books on faith and finances. He has started businesses. He has launched ministries. And most recently, he has started an educational institute at Indiana Wesleyan University, helping students understand and learn the art and science of financial planning based on biblical truth. And the conversation that we started last week is this around the idea that we can all improve our financial decision-making if we understand different aspects of our financial choices. So we are continuing that conversation today. And now let's jump back into the interview that is already in progress. Ron, those four pillars that you just shared, that you shared with Congress, have such deep wisdom. I mean, it's so simple, but it can be so difficult to live those out, especially when it comes to our choices, when it comes to our decision making. And, you know, When it comes to decision-making, I know that is near and dear to your heart, and I'd love for you to help us dig into that a little bit more. The whole business that I built on financial planning was built around the concept of decision-making because I'd been teaching decision-making, and decision-making is really planning. To answer that question specifically, the first thing that comes to my mind is I want to avoid the decision-making traps that I can fall into. And so if I know what the traps are, it might help me uh, make better decisions. And the first trap is always the binary trap. And the binary trap says, should I do this or not? And when you ask the question that way, you're only, you only have two alternatives. We tend to make decisions on a binary basis or we tend to compare alternative to alternative to alternative, when in fact what we should be doing is comparing each of those alternatives to what my objectives are. It's like choosing a college. Okay, should I go to Virginia or Richmond or Liberty or, or what? If I ask the question that way, now I'm comparing the three that I mentioned with one another, but I haven't asked the really important questions, is why am I going to college? What do I want out of college? And what are the objectives that I want out of college? So alternative comparison, as opposed to evaluating alternatives against objectives or criteria, is the second trap. And here's one that everybody will identify with. When you ask somebody why they made that decision, they said, because I felt like it. In other words, they went with their intuition as opposed to their mind. So that's called the intuitive trap. It just just felt good. And the third trap, that, or another trap that people fall into, 
is the boating trap. And that typically works this way. I've decided to, uh, to buy a new car. And then I start asking people, I give them some of the facts, not necessarily all the facts, and see if I can get enough votes. And then I go home and say to my wife, I'm going to buy a new car or going to buy this car. And uh, she says, why? And I say, well, because so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so said this is a good idea. So when I start gathering facts to support the decision I've already made, I'm, I've already made a big mistake. Yeah, there is no question about that. But man, don't we really need wise counsel around us, right? We need those people around us who are going to help us make our best decisions. You know, I've got a book called Telling Yourself the Truth. Okay. Uh, Sometimes that's hard to do. Uh, And I think my own experience and your experience as an advisor would bear this out also is that one of the best advisors that you have is your spouse. Uh, The problem is they don't always agree with you. (laughs) You are right about that. Same in my house as well. We don't always agree with each other, but good gracious. And Ann just has a special insight and wisdom to her that I just don't have. And man, it really does help when we're trying to make a decision and we're after clarity and unity to be able to bounce it off of each other. Let's talk a minute about spouses and how it affects the aspects of our decision-making. The counsel I typically give is, look, if you explain it to your wife and she doesn't understand it, you don't understand it well enough either. And if she does and disagrees, don't do it uh, because God has given her as a, a wise counselor to you. And, you know, my wife, she's got an incredible sense of intuition as to what's right and what's wrong. And if I explain something to her and she asks me a hard question, I better listen because if I can't explain it. It's probably not a good idea. I love that. Um, And as I have coached and counseled and advised couples, it seems uh, whether it is the husband or the wife, there's usually one of the couple that is a little more financially savvy than the other. But what I've loved is whether it is the husband or the wife who has a little bit more financial underpinning it always seems to balance out well with their spouse who has other giftedness. Exactly what you're describing with Judy, I'm experiencing the same with Anne. I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times, just the way that God puts two people together to make one. Well, look, let's change gears a little bit. As we are thinking about decision-making, Ron, and we're looking to the future, and what our dreams and goals are. What are some some of your thinking, some of your paradigms as you are counseling couples or individuals as they are considering their future and setting exciting but realistic financial goals? Well, you know, a thought as you were talking that comes to my mind is one of the problems uh, that we've got is what I call the paradox of prosperity. And the paradox of prosperity is that the more I have, the more choices I have. And the more choices I have, the more complex life becomes. So I'm not saying having more is wrong. I'm just saying that the American dream is an illusion. And the illusion is that if I am wealthy enough, 
I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be well-liked. I'm going to have what I want, when I want it, how I want it. But we've seen the exception to that today in today's culture, where we're living in the world's wealthiest culture ever. We've seen that a lot of money does not buy happiness. Uh, you can't accumulate enough money to be content if it's not in your heart. So the more you have, the more likely you are to be discontent, I believe. In fact, I was giving a talk uh, earlier today, and I said, you know, the most objective measurement of spirituality is your checkbook. Uh, because your checkbook reveals your goals, your values, and your priorities. And you can't fake it. So it's an objective measurement. And that's why, John, even coming back to, let's say, a budget, if I've got a budget, I've kind of pre-thought those priorities and put them into my plan. And I've had to think about them ahead of time. Let's take giving, for example. If I haven't made a decision on the basis of a conviction of, of how I'm going to give, it won't happen. I think it's Romans 11 that says, let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. It's not talking about money there. It's talking about baptisms, but but it's a principle. And James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. But let him ask, not doubting. So if you kind of put those together and say, I'm going to ask God for wisdom and believe that he'll give it to me. And out of that wisdom will develop a conviction, which will result in an action. So say we're talking about giving and people, maybe husband and wives are making a decision on whether they're going to tithe. Well, what's God desire, one? And two, what's their conviction? And if they don't think it through, they're going to make that decision 52 times, okay, <laughs> when, they, when they go to church. So uh, I think if giving breaks the power of money, and I believe that it does, then I think giving should be one of those really strongly held convictions. But again, I'm going to come back and say it becomes a guide rather than the law. I look at giving on three levels. One is giving out of what I receive, income giving, and that's pretty clear in Scripture. But there's a second level of giving, and Paul said it in Second Corinthians 9. He says, give out of what you have, not out of what you don't have, which means I can look at my balance sheet, and that's, to me, balance sheet giving, giving out of what I already have. Most people don't even reach that second level. They give out of income, but they don't give out of what they have. Ron, wow, thank you. Um, you know, it's just amazing. And this is why I wanted to share this, because our financial decision-making, the way we go about making choices, you know, from our budget, from our investments, our resources, our wealth, our giving, just all the different money moments we have, right? Our financial choices and decision-making are just throughout all of these moments. And when we can get better at this and root these in Scripture— Right. It just gives us such a great foundation to build off of. I shared, Ron, earlier um, episode this year that money is a tool, a test, and a testimony. And 
so often that is seen the loudest in our financial choices, but also in the giving that we do every single year. If you permit me, I use an illustration, personal illustration. Judy and I had made a pledge to a ministry of $10,000. We'd made it in January. It was the following January. And Judy said, have we made that, have we made, met that commitment? And the answer was no, we hadn't. This was early on in the development of the company. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a vacation fund of $10,000 because we were going to go to a guest ranch in Colorado and we'd save for our vacation. We had $10,000. And I said, and so Judy had asked me this question and I'm reading scripture and it says, this is literally what it says. If you go look at the Second Corinthians 9, verses 8, 9, 10 or something, it says, remember what you said a year ago? Do it out of what you have today. So we gave the 10000 And I called the owner of the guest ranch and I said, we can't come. We have to cancel our reservation this year. And I said, we just, we just can't afford it. And he said, well, would you come if we paid your way and gave you a, <laughs> gave you the vacation? He said, I was planning on having you speak to staff while you were out here, and we'd like for you to come, and we'll pay your way. <laughs> I said, okay. Well, then I got a, a a call from Andy Stanley, and Andy was going to be doing a, a, a beach event. And he said, would you come to the beach for a week and, and spend it <laughs> and and do some teaching? And bring your family. Then I got a call from somebody else who was going to do a cruise. And they said, would you join us on a cruise and bring your family? I think we had five unpaid vacations that year. We didn't pay for a vacation for years. Uh, <laughs> now, it doesn't always happen that way. But it's it's the idea of being willing to ask for wisdom, read the scriptures, develop the conviction, and be willing to give out of what you have not of what, out of what you, you don't have. So uh, that's just an illustration of how it worked in my life one time. It didn't work that way every time. Yeah, Ron, that is a great story. Thanks for sharing it. I think that might also have something to do with you being a pretty good teacher and doing this for a living. <laughs> I love the way that God shows up, right? He promises that we'll be blessed when we give. I mean, sometimes it looks like that. Other times, who knows how it looks, but we've all felt it in different ways. And sometimes it's just that quiet confidence that we were obedient and we did what God asked us to do. Ron, thanks so much for joining me today. And I sure hope you might come back, continue a conversation, or maybe start a new one here before too long. You better hurry. I'm 79. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Yeah, okay. I like that very much. And um, yeah, we will definitely do that. And Ron, thank you again for being with me. Just appreciate your friendship. And just thanks for all you do for so many. Well, I just wish you the best, uh, John. I love what you're doing. And I do remember uh, 18 years ago, and uh, uh, it's been just a joy to have developed a relationship that continues to grow. And it's just been a joy to see your commitment and obedience to the Lord. So thanks for having me. Well, all right, everybody. <laughs> that was my interview with Ron Blue, just talking about 
Well, we went down a few different trails, but the core was this idea around financial decision-making and the different aspects that we all deal with. And as always, if you were listening to this and you think it would be a blessing to someone, please share it with them. Invite them into the Change for Your Dollar family. And I am really looking forward to next time. Thanks again for joining me. You've been listening to Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. Thank you for joining me for Change for Your Dollar, where we have real conversations exploring the burdens and blessings around money, faith, and life. For more tools and resources, please visit changeforyourdollar.com. I'm John Putnam. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next time.